Welcome to Relationship. I'm Stacy, And I'm Oha. How's it going? I'm okay. Uh, I'm getting into the Christmas spirit. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> for the first time in my whole life. Ever? Well, when I was a kid, I liked it. And then my dad died at Christmas. So it was just like, Christmas sucks. Um, but this is the first year I'm going to try. I got like a three foot tree and I'm decorating it. We bought this like satanic tree topper. Mm, nice. Because that's the only way Connor would get into it is if it had, um, oh, that sounds good. If it had something horrible on it, you know, which is fine with me. I don't care. I want to put glitter on it, but he says no. Um, but I'm trying. That's just what I'm doing. I'm going to get jolly. Yeah. Ho ho holidays. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think I'm going to decorate some tampons and make ornaments out of them. That's going to be beautiful. I think that'll be you fun. You could do like blood glitter kind of. Like yeah. Red so like glitter. what July made us a mm-hmm. blood glitter tampon once. Where is that? Marini has it. Marini has it. That's perfect. Marini, you deserve it. You deserve it. Um, I, I'm great. What about you? How are you? I'm doing real good. Really? <laughs> you just moved? I did. I have a new apartment and it's like decent living it's like i'm a yeah. real human in there you know what i mean it's big and there's a lot of light and it's mm-hmm. spacious and i've been organizing everything and enjoying it have you hung stuff up yet i haven't hung stuff up yet but i have everything that i need to do it i'm just waiting until my furniture has its final placement to you know get that, that shit in when i moved in here i hired somebody to come do it i was just like i can't hang it up myself uh, because i wanted it to be even and i hung up one thing and it was uneven you did yeah. I was like, I'll just hang this thing up. And I hung it up and it's it was wrong. fucking uneven. You know, I bo- my mom told I me, she's like, it. we work so that we don't have to do the jobs that we don't like, which is basically sure. like. Clean my house. Yeah. Clean your house. Hang, hang stuff things, up. Cook. Cook. Um, what know, else do you pay people to do? Um, I pay people to wax. You do wax things. I don't my do that. My people, my stuff. I pay people to what do I pay people to do? I think that may be it. If Fix I look, my car. Yeah. If I look on my bank statements, Amazon, I go fucking crazy on Amazon. I will buy everything on there in favor. Amazon in favor. That's where you spend the bulk of your cash. Yeah. I said yesterday, I just feel like it's really archaic to go into a store in 2016. I don't want to walk in. I want to pay somebody to go in for me. I understand that. That's just what I'm about. What about you? How's your love life? Great. You, uh, I texted you the other day. No, I wanted to come by. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I bought you champagne for your new place. so sweet. And you're like, sorry, I'm banging. <laughs> yeah. That's what you said, which I knew you were. I could, like, tell. But just because I wasn't texting you back? No, or? like, I rolled down my window in Montrose, and you could smell the scent of your vagina everywhere. Yeah, getting it's, it. It's, mm-hmm. I'm, it's called uh, frontal crop dusting. It's just, oh, yeah. yeah. It's when you've banged a bunch and mm-hmm. you don't take a shower and you go out to the dog park and people can smell you a mile away. You can smell sex. Yeah. Like you can smell bodily secretions. I didn't know that when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. So my mom would walk into rooms and go, oh, ha, ha. Ugh, and gross. that's what it was. Because you had masturbated? Know. No, just banging as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. I feel like that was like a brag that you banged as a young yeah. child. Oh, yes. As a young, very young. I know. Very, very Too young. much in Venezuela. 
it's just too easy there. Everybody's mm-hmm. real hot and horned up by all the cocoa. So is, she, is that like a big thing in Venezuela? Yeah, we love our chocolate. Um, we is have that an, cocoa it's beans an aphrodisiac. Yeah, aphrodisiac. Yeah. We also have oysters and we have reruns of Jerry Seinfeld, which are proven to raise the libido. Yeah. Um, I would rather fuck than watch old reruns of Jerry Seinfeld for yeah, sure. Yeah, that's what it is. You say yeah. no to that. Just yes turn it off. This. Yeah. Try fucking, not mm-hmm. Jerry Seinfeld. I know. You know. And then we also have, we have voodoo, love potion number nine. That's fine. Let's get back to the fact that Montrose is, is covered in your My sex. fumes. Yeah. Um, are you having fun doing that? Yeah, I'm having a lot of fun. You're it's- the rosiest I've ever seen you. <laughs> Like this is before Christmas. So if anybody sees Oha out, remember before Christmas when you saw her and she's just like happier <laughs> than normal. Yeah. I feel I feel pretty calm right now. Yeah. It's kind of the first time in maybe in my life where I'm like totally present and kind of like hanging out with somebody mm-hmm. and then like kind of know what I'm doing a little bit, which mm-hmm. is strange considering that it's been a while. But yeah, I mean, I'm just I, I um I told myself something the other day where I was like, I'm not going to force myself to like feel more out of like the other person's expectations Mm -hmm. of what, like, I'm just going to feel what I feel. And then I'm also not going to pressure myself to feel less out of fear or out of like worrying on whether or not, you know, things aren't going to turn out well. So I'm just kind of right where I am and I feel really comfy. No, I think that's really smart. I've never thought about it that way. I know that I've like encouraged you to not like live in fear of this or something like that but to not try to meet their expectations and fake yourself to feel more I think that happens a lot you try to like fast forward the relationship because they feel it or they think they feel it or even you know just like the energy that you Mm -hmm. guys have together like it feels really good but instead of kind of taking it step by step Uh very naturally then it starts like one person says something nice and the other person feels like they need to reciprocate and Uh then it just sort of like yeah i think that people you say whatever feels natural but instead i actually think that you should take things slower than what feels natural because a lot of people it just feels natural to move in after a month which some people it's fine with but i think that if anybody who's been in a relationship longer the more they realize like oh i could you know we could slow this down it's still gonna be here yeah, we're going to have Does a lot of time sense? to hang out. Yeah, I definitely, um, I feel like I definitely have my time to do the things that I'm doing. And, yeah. And uh, we've got a really weird schedule, so it kind of works out that we don't see each other for a couple mm-hmm. days at a time, and it's really kind of nice to just be sort of quote-unquote like a single person and do what my usual kind of habit would be. Because mm-hmm. um, then when I go back to it, it's nice and refreshing, and it doesn't feel like this like... Yes. You need some time away. My boyfriend is at my house all the time. Connor's at my house all the time. And so finally, because we felt that felt natural to be together all the time, but he has an apartment. So he finally stayed some nights there. Just, I mean, it wasn't a bad thing. It wasn't like a fight. It was just to be away and like miss each other. It did wonders. Yeah. Well, Honestly. It's like a balance kind yeah. of thing maybe. And also... Alone time is like a necessary, absolutely like centering kind of time. I have watched over the weekend when I was alone. I was alone last weekend. I watched at least 24 hours. I'm not joking 
of RuPaul's Drag Race. I've always heard about it, never watched it. Best show on earth. It was, it was amazing. my number one favorite show. It started with season four. I don't know why. Didn't start from the beginning. And I was disgusting. I had brownies favored to me, ate all of them in my bed. Like, I was gross. Smoked cigarettes in my bed, just like lived my fucking life in that bed slowly sinked into your to your couch into your no i stayed in my bed the entire time just didn't want to move i went to work but other than that i was like no and when i was at work i was like can't wait to get home and watch tv because i knew connor wouldn't be here and like making me feel i feel guilty he doesn't make me but i feel guilty doing that um like being such a monster i want to be garbage yeah my dream is to have a house so big like with my lover, which right now is Connor, but who knows next it could be like somebody sexy, like Bradley like Cooper Connor or something. Connor Oberst. Okay. <laughs> a different too. Connor. Okay. I don't think Connor Oberst is that sexy. Um, you know, like Gerard Depardieu or something. Somebody like fancy. Yeah. Like a and French guy with a giant jaw. Jaw. Yeah. That's Gerard Depardieu. He's, uh, thank heaven for little girl. That's bogus. Um, so... I would like a room myself just to be a monster in. Mm-hmm. You know how men have man caves? Yeah. I just want like a monster cave. Yeah. Like a, a female monster. monster. Hole. Yeah. A monster hole. Monsters can be female. You don't have to say female monsters. Just monsters like I didn't know asexual. that. I thought monsters were all men. Uh-uh. Mm, interesting. I don't think so. I think if you watch the movie Monsters, Inc., there's mm-hmm. some female monsters. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not a doctor. Callers, call in if you've seen Monsters, Callers. Inc. Elsa's a monster. I'm just joking. <laughs> she was a mo- feminist monster. Um, okay, so let's just get started on the real podcast. Yeah. So we do have a guest today. Yes. For anybody sick of hearing our voices alone. Um, but we'll still be here in all fairness. We'll still be here recording and talking. So, but we'll, we'll have another, another voice. Um, so we have local Houston performance artist, postmodern skank. Sleeve. Fuck. God damn it. Turn this off. Turn off the recording. I'm just kidding. Don't do it. Postmodern sleaze, Houston performance artist. Say hi. Hello. Ooh, like That's what it. she sounds like all I, the time. I, I'll take skank. I like that. I <laughs> like skank and sleazes both. Yeah. I'm so sorry. I was like thinking before. I was like, say it, say it, say it right. But fuck. And you are called PMS for short. PMS for short. Yeah. I love that. Because um, I'm, yeah, I'm bloody beautiful. Oh. Me too. I was just talking about my tampon outside. So it was the most amazing story. It was quick and to the point, and it told you a lot about me. Um, Okay, so tell us what your performance artist art is like, because I've never seen it. Um, Just to take you through, basically, like a performance. Let's see. Uh, I used to work at Epar. They had a freak show, which was basically on Wednesdays. And it was just the more ex- extreme, obscure drag. And mm-hmm. uh, part of my performances were pulling the American flag out of my ass. I uh, stripped down to a bathing suit that had a Confederate flag on it. <laughs> I took, I would basically uh, role play with a lot of blood and mannequins on the, the stage and just try to be more extreme. And, you know, there's a lot of, Houston, Texas, or Texas in general, is known for its pageantry system. But there's a, there are those of us out there who uh, are basically the, uh, the horror drag queens. The I love that. Yeah, it, it's, it, I, 
I go very extreme with it. Do you incorporate comedy in there at all? Or is it like a very serious message? Uh, in certain contexts, you know, I'll, uh -huh. I'll try to take advantage of everything in the bar. Um, I used to use their DVD system, which would play videos across the whole bar. Uh -huh. And I used once uh, Lizzie Borden as an example. And oh, cool. I threw images of Lizzie Borden and a lot of uh, female murderers uh, across the screen. And uh, I think I performed the kids in America to that song. Okay. Yeah. I like that. Um, what I, want, I have a question. What makes you want to go into the extreme? Like, what makes what makes you like what feeds you off of that shocking kind of factor? Because I know what I, I love that, but well, I I feel like I'm not passable as a woman enough to be beautiful on stage. So I just kind of take it further and make myself seem more horrific. And like I said, there's too many people out there who try to be pretty, and I'm just you know I I'm on the other end and. You know, I wake up every day and I present myself as a beautiful woman. I go out and, or I try at least. And when you I go do out, it. and when I go out and when I perform, that's the last thing I want to present on stage is a beautiful woman. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to take it another step further and I want to be very extreme. So that's where that part comes from. And also, I had a roommate in college that used to tell me, uh, you're too ugly to be a woman and you're too pretty to be a man. That's always kind of stuck with me. Like an in-betweener. <laughs> I think, I mean, I relate to it in the way, I guess when I do comedy, I don't mind not being beautiful. I don't think I'm beautiful. Like, I have things about me that I like. I'm sure you do too. You're wearing red lipstick. Like, there's something about you that you love. <laughs> um, but uh, I don't, I'm not focused on that. I don't want to, like, worry about being pretty. But I do think that there's, like, something amazing about, like, glamorous because you are done up if you were my client because I do hair mm -hmm. if you were my client and you came in like this I would not believe it if you were like I want something really low maintenance I would think that you would be able to like carry something glamorous off because you care about your appearance but there's something about somebody who is pretty or cares kept together that is not afraid to be like disgusting and ugly and like gross it feels for me like it'd be really liberating to lean into the things because that's what comedy is about whenever mm -hmm. you feel uncomfortable there's something that you don't you know that you don't quite know about yourself you lean in and explore it even further mm -hmm. and doing that on stage as a stand-up comedian is something that's for me has always been really healing mm -hmm. um so i can imagine leaning into the components of yourself that maybe are murky or that you don't fully understand yet just to like bring some clarity and feel power in yeah. that and that knowledge, you know, I've performed almost every time I've ever performed in like Spanx, like naked in Spanx or in underwear or a, like a skin tight bodysuit because I've just wanted to like lean into my body size. I'm fine with it. Like, yeah. But make it funny, you know, Yeah. but I, I'm not I'm scared of scary things like the blood and stuff. I think it's really interesting. It sounds interesting. I want you just sold me on your show. I want to go. But. Um, I'm still like scared of stuff like that. Well, you you said you were just watching the season four of RuPaul's Drag Race. Yep, yep. And yeah, that's one of the uh, forefront runners of the whole um, underground scene with drag is the winner of season four, uh, yeah. Sharon Needles. I love her. Yeah. I love. Um, so first of all, Sharon Needles looks very different now. I like looked at um, her Instagram. And she's got like some work done on her face or something oh, yeah. like that. Um, and her hair is better. 
but I loved her because she was like really kooky and different. Yeah. And uh, I don't want to be put in that same genre as her. Um, yeah. But why don't you? Because there, I come from a different aspect mm-hmm. of what she does. You know, I've been doing this for 20 years and, you know, she's been doing it for a very long time as well. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's just not what I want looming on top of me is oh that's someone who's trying to portray share needles which so you don't want to be compared because pms is different than share needles yes yeah i get that like i think that's like something a lot of people would agree with you don't want to be just because you're an artist that does something similar doesn't mean that you're the same like that's not how you would sell your thing definitely so, not no. a question for you um so when you watched because the first time i ever watched uh rupaul's drag race that was really a big revelation of information for me i'm sorry I'm if like, i'm just making this about rupaul's because i have been in a rupaul's drag race <laughs> no like, no no it's okay I, like, my question like, is like um what were your kind of earliest influences in, in drag because mine really genuinely it was rupaul which is really all that i had yeah. an idea about and then uh, which is something different but like eddie izzard was kind of a, a component of mm-hmm. it and uh mrs Doubtfire. i guess yeah well <laughs> i'm just kidding i do no, love no. that movie i do love that movie i think too, my yeah yeah my oh. early in my earlier influences were basically every man from the 80s that was androgynous and that would be people like Pete burns uh boy george my mom was a very huge boy george fan she sat there listened to the culture club all the time because she had this huge thing about reggae music and uh, boy george was one of her biggest idols and on top of that I had a lot of influences in my life because my mom always kept gay friends around. My um, grandma's best friend was gay, and there was just a lot of transgender people that were around in my life. So uh, there were always those influences earlier on in my life. And so you talked earlier. We did a little bit of a pre-interview, but you talked about being first. I mean, maybe tell people like. Oh, what your culture is but you were talking about how your culture is so accepting of any sort of lifestyle okay uh sure i am full-blooded navajo i'm from the four corners reservation of the united states which is where utah uh, arizona colorado and new mexico meet up Mm -hmm. Uh, that's basically where we were centralized as a tribe and i spent 18 years on the reservation and i've been off of the reservation about 16 years so that would make me an urban Indian. And uh, I come from a culture that was really accepting because as someone who is transgendered, um, we are told we have the spirit of a man and the spirit of a woman. Mm -hmm. And in Navajo, that's called Nugle. Um, And there are many genders within the Navajo culture. And um, my mom was, you know, I think before, when I was young and before she died, she always made sure that there were those influences in my life Mm -hmm. with trans people, gay people. And she always knew Mm -hmm. when I came out to her, I believe I was about 10 or 11. She pretty much told me she already had already knew. And And you came out. That's amazing. What did you come out as at that point? Um, I came out as gay, but, um, I have a younger sister actually. Her name is Cindy. Um, and we're about three years apart. So, I had long hair. It was really thin, and basically, people thought I was her. Mm-hmm. So when I when she wasn't around, they thought I was her. And when we when she got married, um, this was about three years ago. I 
was there with her daughter and people thought that I was her. So it, it still happens. Gotcha. Still happens. So you'll look just alike. What an amazing opportunity to grow up in. I think that's, s- yeah, it's so a, unique. It really is. I mean, do you, do you meet a lot of people whose stories are so different and you have, uh, you know, you've kind of captured information that way of like other people's experiences? From, you mean when I was younger? Yeah. Or Well, like, I guess the people, um, the gay people you know, the trans people you know, that tell you their stories, they, it's very different than yours, generally, right? Yeah, generally, because when I grew up, it was very accepting. Mm-hmm. Um, I always had, uh, like I said, gay people who are around me or trans people. Mm-hmm. And I grew up in that environment. I grew up with uh, my mom knowing pretty much I was gay all my life or trans however you want to look at it and when I left the reservation and when I moved to a bigger city in the first big city I moved to was Albuquerque New Mexico and there was such a negativity and a backlash against people who were like me mm-hmm. and it kind of took a toll on me but luckily I had people there who you know always I for some reason, I've always had that person in my life that's always looked after me. So, like right now, I have my boyfriend. You know, mm-hmm. he, he, he's, he kind of reminds me of my brother because mm-hmm. he won't let anybody mess with me. He's very protective of me, mm-hmm. and he always makes sure he knows where I'm going, and I know it's, you know, for a good cause, you know, because I've had uh, people in my life, I had fairly close people to me that were killed because they were transgendered. I had um, my friend from high school who was murdered in an alley in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And a few blocks away from her was another trans girl that was also Navajo and she was murdered. So they kind of thought for a while there, there was a serial killer who was mm-hmm. killing and targeting Navajo trans women. Mm-hmm. So I've always had that protector in my life for some reason. When you were growing up in this environment that's like so accepting and so open, did they warn children that like, the outside world outside of your reservation was not like that or did you walk into that just thinking this is gonna be fine look at how enlightened we are everyone's enlightened I kind of educated myself by looking at the back of magazines and just kind of you know because we didn't have cable television the only thing we basically had was an antenna that connected to our TV by a cord mm-hmm. and the radio. That's basically all we had as communication to the outside world because we're mm-hmm. so isolated away from society and you know we live our lives way out there. And yeah, I didn't know that. And that when, must be so hard. Oh my God. It was, it was definitely a culture shock mm-hmm. for me. Definitely. Did you leave with friends? You were just like, I'm 18, fuck it, I'm gonna go live in the white world and see what that's like and you had, and your friends moved out well one of my friends was a straight guy um he i i met him through music um our, our passion was depeche mode that was one of the things we really 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 intertwined with and he knew a lot about music so uh he lived out of the sit off the reservation pretty much his whole life and i met him in high school and i moved in with him and yeah it's was he navajo he was he was was okay so is that something where people come on and off the reservation if they're navajo just like in the area it's 
Now it's more common for uh-huh. people to leave the reservation, but there's always those ones that end up back on the reservation mm-hmm. because there's such that that people like to party, mm-hmm. and when they get into a bigger city, they kind of take advantage of that, and mm-hmm. you know it doesn't work out for them in the end. They always end up back on the reservation. So, so a question uh, going back to. Um, I guess this specific does does do your roots and your culture affect heavily your performance art? Is it there in a kind of subtle conceptual way, or what are ways that it sort of sinks in? There are ways that I try to portray myself as an as a Native American and try to educate people uh, about what happened with us in our culture because my grandmother, uh, I'm going to use her as, a, as an example was removed off the, re- the reservation when she was about 10 years old uh, by missionaries. And they took her to a boarding school and tried to de- to, to take away her heritage, uh, her culture. They were trying to teach her to, to speak nothing but English. So whitewash her. Basically, yeah. So what she did was she AWOLed from the boarding school, ran away from home, and ended up you know, just moving from here to there with her family. Did, how do they, is that something that, I don't want to go into a whole Native American history lesson because I don't want to like, I would have a lot of questions to ask about it, especially with like the pipeline thing going on. I'm just like trying to read and learn. Um, But how did they get her off the reservation? Like, did her parents allow that? There were missionaries that would come and basically hold church services, like Mm -hmm. revivals. Mm -hmm. They still do this till this day. And, you know, would just make amends, you know, befriend the family and tell them, you know, we'll give your child, oh, give your child a good education. Your child can go on into this world and become someone Mm -hmm. and not knowing, you know, that what was going to happen, they would let them. And at the same time, um, you know, these, the people on the reservation, you know, they don't make much money to raise their kids. So it was a a better way, you know, in their heads for their children to go off and become someone that makes more sense like just instead of like i think a lot of missionaries go in and befriend people to like get kids out of there or something um so i just do also have one more question about the people on the reservation like it being such an accepting environment then you leave you go live with like a straight male navajo friend that didn't grow up on the reservation is there no like machismo there is there no like macho attitude of these straight men on the reservation Uh, in some cases yeah Yeah. i I had a cousin who played baseball for oklahoma and he was uh half navajo and he his dad was uh caucasian so (laughs) say that caucasian Caucasian, i like that word uh so you know he brought that brought home that you know macho aspect and through the fag word around a lot oh, fucking white people they come in i'm sorry ruin everything jesus christ um okay so you left when you leave i've never moved away from home I, not really and i know oha has but and so this is something for you too but your family came here so you left your family from this reservation and then people are dropping dead you know they're getting murdered yeah for being trans were you trans at that time I was basically on the border, you know, I I was still kind of sheltered away from letting people know that. Um, My roommate 
Um, I, I'm pretty sure he knew because now mm-hmm. you know he's on my Facebook mm-hmm. and you know he's he can, you know, go along with the concept that now I I go by female and so. What my my like heart? What hurts is that this scary stuff was happening around you. You watched it and you didn't like. I would hightail it back home. I would like because I'm a, a wiener and I'm scared. I would just go back home, but you didn't do that. That didn't no. go through your head? No. The story gets a little darker. Uh, let, let's see. I um, moved out from his home and ended up with uh, transsexual prostitutes on the streets mm-hmm. of Albuquerque, New Mexico. There's a strip in the middle of Albuquerque called mm-hmm. Central, and that's basically the drugs, the hookers, the $35 hotel rooms, mm-hmm. and... I basically ended up there. You were hooking? I was not hooking. However, okay. I used to live with them. Okay. And I'm not saying that I didn't do it. Okay. Because you know, the whole idea behind it was, hey, you can live here. However, you're going to have to go out there and you're going to have to make money because everybody that stays here puts in. You got to work for it. So, you know, there are a couple of times that they took me out on the streets mm-hmm. and basically tried to teach me how to prostitute. Is that like a painful part of your past to talk about? Or are you pretty... It, it's not, you know, I... Because this is where that you've actually like struck a chord. <laughs> I love prostit. I love learning about prostitution. I've read tons of books. I've talked about this on other like time, other episodes and stuff, but prostitution in strippers and stuff, any, any sort of sex worker has always been a fascination of mine. I am a fan, I would say. Um, in the idea of it. So if you want to talk about some of that, but I don't want it to, if it's like weird or you're, let's do it. Any sort of, (laughs) okay. So just tell me what that was like. Okay. So I did it twice uh, Mm -hmm. and it was in one night and I, um, left with a girl. What was her name? Mark, Markeisha. She was also a Nava girl who came Mm -hmm. off the reservation, lived in the big city, only the only way she knew how to make her money was through prostituting so she was like okay girl come with me so it was a cold winter night we walked down the street i remember i had this fur coat on that my grandma bought me from a thrift store it was really furry white and it had down the middle a fluorescent green stripe remember wearing that walking down the street now she goes when they pull over make sure you walk over there and you know let them talk to you first don't approach don't approach them and don't ask them for money just let them proposition you first Mm -hmm. and when you get in the car make sure you know they start touching you and make sure they start you know touching themselves so did that and um the first experience i did we went around the block did our thing and you know i met back up with her and I'm like, what do I do now? I have this money. <laughs> so, and then she's like, okay, well, just do it again. I'll take your money just in case you get robbed. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what? Yeah, wait, you weren't like, you went into this just not I, scared of any danger? Yeah. Well, I, I was heavily intoxicated. Okay. Ah, heavily yeah. intoxicated. Okay. I, yeah, a lot of those girls on the street are really heavily intoxicated. I can imagine. I think that I'm like struggle between the, um, I'm pro- prostitution i think if anybody wants to do it i would like to take the power out of pimps um yeah hands i would like to stop girls that rely on men or anybody to control them and their money um so i think legalization and things like that and acceptance are the first step but 
I have read enough books to know that a lot of women have a lot of addiction. I think it fucks with your mind. Anytime you use your body as a source of income, uh, it can mess with your ideas of your value. It, anybody's job does anybody I'm a hairstylist and like it messes with like how I interact with people my job affects so imagine using your whole body or something so it has affected a lot of women in certain ways sexually and stuff like that um, so I can imagine that some are, are using something to get through the shift you know mm-hmm. what made you so what made you only do it those two times it was not something you wanted to continue it, to do yeah or? it wasn't something you know I went from going to college and having a full-time job to ending up living in a house full of trannies and it you know it it just wasn't me you know mm-hmm. so I made a phone call to a friend in Phoenix Arizona and she was like yeah I'll come you can come live with me and you can find yourself a job and get back into school so I had the the next opportunity to continue on my life in another bigger city. So like another example of somebody there that was like watching out yes. for you. Yeah. That's awesome. So when did you start doing performance art? What was the sort of tilting point for you? Uh, I think I started off in high school. You know, okay. I just used to do... Ups- so before this situation you're yeah. describing right now. And I liked the attention that it brought to me. And I was such an oddball in high school that a lot of people were afraid of me because of what I look like because I you dress satanic I was really obsessed with Ooh. satanism during that time I had green hair I had dreadlocks and I scared a lot of people so you know there were little performances I would put on during assemblies where nobody was paying attention to the cheerleaders instead they were looking at me you know doing something stupid in the audience Fuck yeah i like that fuck yes i think all weird kids should have some respect put on them because they're going to turn out more interesting than not yeah. i'm not talking about those like little serial killer kids but i'm talking about like the weird people that love attention the little hams i love it yeah, yeah. i love a ham um okay so you how did you end up in houston like how long have you been here oh that's not a big old story uh let's see what? I guess, uh, like, how long have you been here? I've Houston? been here for seven years. Okay. And did you meet your boyfriend here? Did y'all come together? Yes, I met him. I'm sure you come together. But... <laughs> <laughs> yes, we did. Uh, I met him two years ago. Or, oh, a little over two, year, two and a half years ago. I have Marcus Pontello, which is the... I grew up with Marcus. Um, when Marcus was like, because we grew up in church together. And <laughs> Hell when yeah, yeah. Marcus was like 14 or 13 or 15, and he was like, can you drive me to, to Westheimer? And he wanted to go to thrift stores. And I drove, this is before I went to HSPVA and started like hanging out in Houston. Mm-hmm. And I drove there. I didn't know what they were. And Marcus was like, this is where you shop. <laughs> it was always so cool. Yeah, Marcus is basically the one that would point him out. And Marcus saw his dick first before me. Oh. oh. And um, Marcus would be like, hey, there's Ford. Call him by his last name. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I took notice of him. And um, we, you know, just one night I kind of sat there and I'm like, you're going to talk to me. I'm smoking a cigarette. Ooh. And I'm like, you're going to look at me and start talking to me. And he, he probably knew I was looking at him, but he dropped the cigarette, dropped the conversation he was having and came sat beside me and we had about a 30 minute conversation and 
It, that's where it started off. You secreted that shit. Mm-hmm. You were just like visualizing it. That I, You're going to drop your cigarette and walk over to me. I'd like to say it was me, but he tells me now that he did some research on me before we kind of have to. He's a stalker. Just our <laughs> kind of guy. my kind of guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love to stalk people before I actually talk to them. Um, okay. So you've been going to numbers for years. That's how you know, Marcus. For seven years since now. since you moved here since i moved here i used to yeah. live down on alabama and mm-hmm. the 59 those yeah. efficiency apartments in there i moved here yeah. with 600 dollars and my cat and that's so all you need that's all i needed and some money and a cat um okay so you meet this guy you're performing are you performing every because earlier you said you can find you at friday numbers every friday but do you mean performing or do you just mean hanging just hanging out i i think i've created the career so-called career that I have basically just going out and being glamorous and being very outrageous with what I wear and so that's basically how my whole my whole spiel started with the performance so I just walk around like a walking piece of art and a lot of the uh, performers and people who used to do shows took notice of that Mm -hmm. and you know they asked me hey can you do this can you do that so that's where it started. Effort begets effort. You yeah. just are yourself to the purest extent of who you can be. And of course, people take notice and value that. And yeah. I can see that immediately for sure. I like that. Plus numbers on Friday night turns out some of the best outfits I've ever seen. Best, most amazing things ever. So tell me, so you, so numbers was the was the catalyst for the relationship technically. Even you though found we a know career that... and love at numbers. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow, numbers! Thank you so much for existing. Oh, I got fingered on the back patio of numbers one time, so it was Ooh, great. Good for yeah. you. It's good great. for you. I saw the girl that I am hanging out with now at numbers, and that's why we're hanging out. Oh, see, yeah. numbers brings a lot of love into our lives. A lot of love. Yeah. Um, okay, so what does your boyfriend think about your performance art? He, uh, well, when he first took notice of me, I was uh, part of the Houston, the gothic beauty pageant. I had my face, my whole body was painted black except for a section of my face, which was kind of torn out, made it look like it was opening. And I had uh, a boa of Barbies wrapped in barbed wire all around me. In a black gown. Oh my god! I, was, I know it's amazing. amazing. I was walking in, and from what he told me, he was standing in back of me, and he wanted to tap me on the shoulder and talk to me, but he was, you know, he was too put off by the whole thing, and he probably he said, I probably would have just looked at him and walked away. Oh, so, but is he did so he saw you perform before y'all ever chatted? Uh, he's never seen me before before we chatted, but he's seen the most outrageous, some of the most outrageous things. The conversation we had when we first met was I had on all white. I had a white uh, fishnet headdress on my head, and you know he's he he's really I think he's really attracted to that. He's one of his favorite artists is Klaus Nomi, so he's he knows about uh-huh. this. Is he pretty straight laced looking? Or does he's, he match you in style? He's very, very masculine. Uh-huh. I, about 10 years ago, I kind of stated what my ideal man was, uh-huh. was someone who was very opposite of me, someone who has short hair, someone who's hairy, someone who's really masculine, uh, someone who works construction, someone mm-hmm. who has a, 
a lot of bass in their voice and that's basically who I ended up Did with. you just put it out in the universe? Did you write I, it down? I did. You... I did. And I told everybody, this is what my boyfriend's going to look like. He is so cute. He's is he? gorgeous. Ooh, yeah. He's see. just like strong and has like, is very present and looks at you straight in the eyes and is very kind. He's great. Just, I haven't, I've seen him maybe four or five times now okay. and talk to him. He's a really, really nice guy. Okay. Wait. So what does he think about your actual performance art? He thinks it's amazing yeah? because oh. nobody's doing the same thing as mm-hmm. what I'm doing. And I think the first performance he's seen was me uh, in Austin. Every once in a while, I'll get booked in Austin. was me pissing on a crucifix. Mm-hmm. And that... Have you ever done that in Houston? No. Okay. Okay. Sometimes I have memories of things that I don't know about. I'm like, oh, I think I heard about that, but I don't. I didn't. Um, okay, so he's like a fan. Yeah, I think it's important. I don't know if, because I do comedy, my boyfriend does comedy, and uh, you're dating a civilian, so yeah. I bet she likes it a lot. But I feel like sometimes when you both do the same thing, it's harder to be a fan or like to, to invest as much. I don't know. I didn't give Josh a mic today. Or Josh Rollins is helping us. Thank you, like Josh. Like a goddamn savior. And I didn't give you this, but you and your girlfriend both do it. I don't know if you agree with me on this, but it's harder to like be a fan. I think my boyfriend is the funniest person, um, but to like be invested to go to his shows and stuff. If I wasn't in comedy, I think I would go a lot more. But since I'm doing it, I'm like, eh, I don't want to go. <laughs> but if your boyfriend doesn't do that or your girlfriend doesn't do that, like I think it's a lot easier to want to go to those things and like be a fan. I just, I think it's nice, you know. I don't know. He doesn't ever get sick of it? Mm, I think, in a way, I think it is because we're always doing things I want to do. He's always going where I need to go. That's the perfect relationship. (laughs) And then sometimes he just tells me, I'm so tired of going to gay bars. People always hit on me and there's always that creepy old man who's always trying to buy me a beer. So I think he kind of gets tired of it. So what's your favorite thing about your boyfriend? My favorite thing about him It can be anything. He's a very, very, very caring person. And it's the best relationship I've ever, ever had. And, you know, he cooks dinner for me every night, even when he gets off work. And he makes sure that um, my bills are always paid. You know, he, he want, he's that caring person. And he, he's just an amazing 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 person i can't say you know i tell mm-hmm. everybody about him oh that's so good i did you have bad relationships before this were you pretty good at dating before this guy i had bad relationship yes I, the previous person i was with before him was really emotionally abusive towards me mm-hmm. and i don't weigh much mm-hmm. but you know, when I met him, I was Bragging. pretty much a skeleton. Really? I, I weighed like 116. And I'm at 150-something right now, 159. And when I gained weight, he made fun of the fact that I was, you know, gaining weight. And that, being a skinny person, that really, really, really fucked with me. I am angry right yeah. now. No. Was he, did he have a perfect body? No. He did not. The fuck that, dude. Was his dick tiny? His dick was probably fucking tiny. Minuscule. Yeah. She just fuck that guy. Yeah. Um. Oh, Jesus, your little what Cheeto dick. Fuck him. The, the insecurity that has to come from a person like that to attack other people based on their. I don't even and know what's going like, through their brains. I was brains. kidding, or like. 
I don't know what's going through their brain. Oh so you dated some fucktards. Mm-hmm. Like, is that offensive to say no. fucktards? Well, you know, I don't, I'm offended by the word libtard because it's like a, a derivative of retard. So, you know what, sir? People, I am sorry that I said fucktards. Like, f- fuck him, though. Um, I don't want to make fun of, like, fucktards. Well, I don't want to say, like, retarded. I think it's retarded to say the word retarded. So I don't want to say, like, a derivative of it. Um, I gotcha. Anyway, my PC moment. Um, uh, I, you dated some idiots some like fuckers yeah it took a lot to get to the perfect one yeah i think it's my view has always been it doesn't work out in, until it does like every relationship is going to be shitty until it's not shitty it always sucks when it ends it always you know whatever does that make sense like yes people get so upset they're like oh, why is this bad and i'm like well then it's just not the right person just move to the next be sad but move to the next yeah i mean there's also a level of of uh you just have to learn what you don't want for yourself and what you do want for yourself you maybe you could have met him before in your life and it wouldn't have worked out because you wouldn't have been in the right place likely right like we have to be in the right um mindset and everything yeah absolutely my i guess one of my my biggest uh questions about um kind of how it works in terms of uh, of relationships usually is um like what is it about the other person that you're sort of like that you maybe would think that you want to change and then getting with the program and saying i'm not responsible for the other person changing you know like in what ways do you feel you've grown or you've changed in your relationship with him he likes to talk like when something isn't going right like he'll want to sit down and have a talk about it which for me i'm all about just ignoring the problem and it'll go away but he'll actually sit there and have a conversation with me about what i did wrong or what he did wrong and we say our sorries and then basically go from there and he's really good about that and he's kind of taught me the same thing and i so you you felt like your your fighting styles were different, and so you guys kind of like he showed you how to be, I guess, more in touch with like communicating. Correct. He taught me how to be human. To be human. Oh my <laughs> god, that's so nice. If you ever get married, say that in your vows. Thank you for you making me a human. Yeah. I, do y'all ever do that when you think of? I don't have any desire to get married, but sometimes when I hear a song, I'm like, oh, I should go down the aisle to that. I, I, I don't have anybody the to marry. The weird protruding thoughts or of like marriage. Or like how yeah. I would write my vows. Or like, would my dress match this theme? You know, I don't even have a dress. I don't have... Do you want to get married? Uh, he's been married once already. And mm-hmm. that, uh, probably not. You don't I'd care rather just that? spend my life, the rest of my life with him. My mom and my stepfather were together for 30 years and they finally got married. And they were together for two years, and then they got divorced. <gasps> what? Oh my God! Why? Why thirty years? First of all, I cannot imagine spending thirty years with yeah. one person, but thirty years together, and then like, you know what? Fuck it, let's do it. Two years later, they're like, I hate you. Yeah. I think Jesus. maybe it was a coming already, and that's why they got married. Maybe. So that's like something people do. I think you either have a baby or marriage. So sometimes when people are like, I'm pregnant, I'm like, oh, my God, are You're you guys okay? Up. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> something wrong in your marriage? I oh also, gosh. I feel very similar to you. I don't have this overwhelming need to get married. I don't think it's going to add or subtract anything from my life. Uh-huh. Um, 
I know, like, I've been with a couple people that was really important for them mm-hmm. to, like, be married and have babies and that sort of thing. And I actually, I think the, the older that I get, the less warm mm-hmm. I get to it. Um, I, I, there's something really insane to me or I think you need to believe that you're going to be with that person for the rest of your life in order for the marriage to be successful. And I don't know if I fully can get to that point. Like, I feel like I can, there, there's a part of me that's like, I don't know, it could not work out. It probably won't, you know? Okay, but what do you guys think about this? What if we changed what we feel a successful marriage is? Like, were your parents with your mom and stepdad, were they not successful? They were together 32 years. Like, why does success have to be, like, dying together? Well, I don't mean it like that. I mean it... No, but most people do. This yeah, is, like, something yeah. we've all said. Like, nobody says they want to get divorced when they get married. Like, because people will be like, divorce is not an option. Um, But maybe you just should be like, hey, divorce could be an option. But I want to be with you for a long time. I don't know. I don't know why people get married in the first place. What's I don't understand it. By not wanting to get married. Is it specifically the example with your folks or... Is there something, you know, your thought process? I think it is. Uh, it has a lot to do with my 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 mom and her husband. And I've seen a lot of people rush into getting married when gay marriage was passed. And they've already been divorced. And it's, it's sad. I don't want to go through that whole process. And uh, I probably can't afford it anyway. So <laughs> I can't afford to do it. I can't afford to get out of it. It's a so. good divorce. Yeah. That's it's a, a pretty smart reason. I'm a, I'm a starving artist. I don't have money for that. Oh, welcome. I feel like, isn't that a, like a sentiment in the gay community that was happening? It's like, I believe in everyone's right to gay divorce. Yeah. People say that. Yeah. Um, I know a guy who got married and then got divorced just promptly. I know two lesbians that got married because they got invited to uh, get married at a Wicked play because they won a contest, so they flew up to Los Angeles or California. Just got married there on the stage of Wicked because oh. they got like won a competition. Okay, that's they're not together anymore. Is what I'm saying. But you know what? You could always have a wedding, but then never legalize it. Yeah, like, you could have like not a, legalize it, not make it legal. You know? Yeah, you could. Um, you could have like a big I'm party done. and a ceremony. Yeah. You know? And then never tell your mom that you didn't sign the certificate or mail it in. Like we're technically not married. I would do it. But I'm also, I don't know if I'm scared of divorce. I don't know. I just like, why do we have to be scared of that? Why does that not just break up? It's just, you just got divorced. It's okay. Yeah. And actually divorces. I mean, I know people have like really horrible divorces. I don't know what your parents were like, but, um, I feel like a lot of people are just like, it's just done. Especially if you're older when you get it done. Was it an angry divorce? No, actually they divorce and still stay together. The fuck? What? <laughs> Wait a minute. Hold on. I we needed to know that up, part. Back it up. They divorce and stay together as companions? Yes. I mean, fucking after 32 years. So they just live together, but they're not together? Yeah. Plus, she got with him later because she had already had you guys. Like, you and your sister and the brother? Uh, well, actually, he's my stepfather, but it was my little sister and her little brother. Okay, okay. So those are your half-siblings. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool, cool, cool. You half, they're half, but you whole love them, I'm sure. What are they like? Where are they? They are in uh, New Mexico. Okay. And they pretty much have gotten on with their lives. And there's very little communication between all of us after my mother passed away a few years ago. And so. Is there any particular reason? or? I think they're still going through the healing process of her passing. And we haven't actually sat down and talked about the whole thing. 
So I think that's one thing that I need to do. Mm-hmm. And your boyfriend is giving you all the tools to yes. do it right. Yeah. Yes. To like like, show you how to yes. do that. He's like my psychologist. That's good. When y'all were growing up, were you close with him? We, yeah, I pretty much grew up with him. But like emotionally close. Like you said you got mistaken for your sister all the time, but would you guys sit and chat? Would you would you talk about her boyfriends and mm-hmm. your schoolwork and anything yeah. kids talk about? Not really. I think no. we were kind of distant mm-hmm. for a lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have that relationship with her that I would like to, but we've had conversations about it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's good. I have... Um, I'm just trying to relate to you. Am I making this about me if I try to like try to relate to you? <laughs> I have a sister that is a very difficult person um, and it's taken us, I'm 32. This is like the first year and a half that we've ever like actually talked without wanting to kill each other. And sometimes I still want to kill her, but not as like slow and painful anymore. Yeah. I want to shoot her real quick. quick. Yeah. I used to want to strip the skin off of her body. What, um, I, just a roundabout with my sister, um, I, uh, now you are making it about, yeah, 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 absolutely. I just, no, but what is it like for me and my sister, the, the, the sharing of the upbringing brings us so, so close together to the point where I feel like I know her better than I know anybody else. And I know that she knows me better than she knows anybody else. Mm -hmm. Like, you know. Do you feel like you had that at one point with your siblings and you too, Stacy? Is that not something that you've ever really felt? No, and I don't know if you experienced any trauma in your childhood. Oh yeah, like actually a lot of trauma. So me too, trauma, and I don't know. Maybe that's the varying degree. If you experience trauma with these siblings, I can't. The ruptures are different. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. I wonder, like. Um, I think maybe that also affects the way that, you know, we view marriage and we view long-term relationships. It's a, it's, for me, it's always been relatively smooth sailing. Yeah. My mom's been married three times and there's been a lot of different variables, but you know, there's something really, um, yeah, there's something of that experience that you guys are talking about that I don't know about, you know, who knows? I mean, who knows? The brain is a complex system. I just try to like focus on me now I did get interviewed this is like something that you guys are going to be riveted by I'm sure I did get interviewed on the phone by a guy who's doing a graduate paper thesis I don't know what you call it I didn't go to school and um about people's kids people kids of people who died with AIDS so my dad died of AIDS of complications relating to his shitty immune system from AIDS and um but not gay parents because a lot of people I'm in a secret face group <laughs> Facebook group about it and a lot of their parents were gay but there's a, like a small handful of us whose parents were just like alcoholics or drug ad- drug addicts or whatever so he interviewed me about it and we got to talking about like the trauma we experienced his father died was a heroin addict my dad addict um, and his like sisters just like my sister and he's just like me. He's the younger. She's older. I mean, I, I think that you just kind of follow a pattern, but I think maybe trauma could be the varying degree. Some trauma brings people closer, but I think from most that I've heard, trauma tears siblings apart. There's like blame. There's everything, you know, even in divorced parents can happen. Yeah, it's a it's like a complicated nature. Uh, it's a complicated nature, and 
I can't even imagine the the pressures you know mm-hmm. what I mean of like it's th- let's call it three different people in your case um uh three different people with three different healing processes in different places living uh in areas you know it, it, I can't imagine like coming together from that mm-hmm. is going to be hard but um thankfully you have a great supporting system and a great group of people that care about you and and i'm sure you'll get that done for sure we always have an angel Mm -hmm. or i called it an angel in my head you just said a person i was like she has a guardian angel the secret just secret stuff the one you put on your car that's like Mm -hmm. guardian angel make sure i'm safe while i drive she put uh she put her boyfriend on a pinterest board and he just came to life she put she pinterested her boyfriend to life (laughs) d-i-y You know, do you yeah. agree with that? I'm sure you do. Um, okay, so uh, <laughs> when right. can when can people see your show? Uh, I will be at Robert Lafitte's, which is in Galveston, um, this Friday. So, okay, uh, is there like a website they could go to? Because we won't put this out that fast, but I want people to be able to find where to find you. Uh, they can find me on Instagram, uh, Postmodern Sleeves Official. Mm-hmm. I'm also on Tumblr. Uh, that is also Postmodern Sleeves Official. And then uh, you'll look me up on Facebook as well as under Postmodern Sleeves. Okay, that's awesome. Everybody, look her up. I want to go. Let's go to a show. We're going to go to a show. Um, I'm going to be scared, but I want to go. I'm excited. I yeah. can't wait for all the blood and all the... That's what I'm going to be scared the, of. And the flags. I think that'll be cool. Um, okay, do you have anything else you want to plug? Other than your amazing relationship and like everything? Just, you know, I, I try to be really positive. You know, there's a mm-hmm. lot of assholes in a, the, the world right now is an asshole. So, you know, I try not to add to all the negativity out there. I try to not do road rage and wave my sun gun at people in, on the road like I did yesterday. I love that you're <laughs> plugging positivity. I'd like to also plug positivity, man. Add positivity. Just, just um, okay, great. Thank you so much for being here. Was You're this fun? Um, yes. Thank you for having me. This is your Let's... first podcast ever, so now you can just do all of them. Uh, I will. I actually probably will start one. You yeah. should start a podcast. Be on Mockingbird Network. <gasps> you guys, that brings me up. Get on MockingbirdNetwork.com. Please rate and review us on iTunes. There's a lot of other podcasts. Um, PMS is going to start one on our network probably, so mm-hmm. look out for that. Um, but we have a lot of good podcasts. Um and I think you should be listening to all of them. We love you guys. Thank yeah, you so much for tuning in. Bye, everybody. Mocking Bird Network.